Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a book, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind, in your heart. For a fresh new start MJ Network will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good morning everyone, this is Fran Lewis Welcome to Book Talk Brought to you by MJ Network In memory of my sister Marcia Joyce and I am so excited. New York Times author John Lansing is here with 25 to Life. Oh, my God, I couldn't put this book down. Gloria Milhouse, a beautiful African-American law student, is working with Project for the Innocent. She has done extensive research on inmate Carl Forbes, who believes she was wrongly accused and convicted and incarcerated for a crime he didn't commit. I'm not going to tell you any more because the author's here, and we're going to talk about it. Good morning, and welcome to MJ Network. Good morning, Fran. I am so excited. As a matter of fact, there was a case on um, television the other day about really? a man that was in jail for 25 years. Yeah, and it's, it's it took the innocent. Yeah. It took the innocent project to help to get him out. Yeah, and I just sat there and I said, you know, that's that's horrible. So Gloria's working. I, I know about the innocent project, um, and. Why why did you include that? That's important. And how did you create the first chapter? And what was what was the case that she was on? All right. You, you know what? I'll just talk a little bit about Project for the Innocent because okay. I learned about them. The, the Writers Guild had an event, and the Project for the Innocent were the speakers. And they basically, the Project for the Innocent dedicates themselves to the exoneration and wrongful conviction. Mm. And, and, and wrongfully convicted, I'm sorry. And, and there's Loyola students to the heart and soul of the prison. Now, if a case is investigated and a claim of innocence is provable, the students help draft a habeas petition so that the case can be re- re-litigated in court. They have freed 700 in, in, individuals, 700 men and women have been proven wrongfully convicted since mm. 1985 and spend major, major, like 20 years, 30 years of their lives behind bars mm-hmm. on crimes that they commit. Yeah, it's just like a, the, the Project for the Innocent gives them their lives back. It, it's an amazing, amazing uh, group of people uh, that, that are really... So anyway, and, and after, the, after they spoke, they said, listen, whenever you can write about it, write about us. We need people to know mm-hmm. what we do. People have to understand that there are a lot of people that are filling our jails that shouldn't be there. And so by the time I walked out of there, I had an idea for a, a new book, a new Jack Bergalino book. I, I, I think this was, this, was, this was fantastic because it's so real. So somebody like Gloria that works at Project Innocent, Project for the Innocent, how would a prisoner get in touch with her to let him know that he wants to find out if he can get out or get some help. Oh, they, they, they just keep writing letters. It's a letter writing thing. 
And if the, if the mm-hmm. letters are uh, compelling and uh, enough of them, and they do research on the man, and mm-hmm. it feels like a, he has enough of the right stuff, or she does, then they'll, they'll start the process. But I wanted, once I walked out of, of that luncheon and realized mm-hmm. that, that a way to get Jack Bertolino into a story like this, I wanted a young college student who was passionate about Project Innocent to become a, a and that would draw Jack Bertolino into the story. Gloria Milhouse uh, was on the case of Carl Ford, and, and like Fran said, he was 17 when he was arrested. He was found guilty and incarcerated for the rape and murder of a young co-ed. And Gloria, this character that I created, mm-hmm. believed every fiber, fiber of her body that Carl Forbes was beaten into the confession and an innocent man. And she was the kind of woman who wouldn't stop fighting until he was exonerated. In the process... In the, in the first couple of pages, you'll see she ruffles mm-hmm. the feathers of politically connected men. Mm-hmm. As she, and that, that's how the story began, and that's how she's brought into the story. It was a very sad... That first chapter really got me. I was like, oh, my God. So she's writing and realizing that She's she's calling her father. She's being followed. And how did you create that scene? I was like, oh, my God. Um, Somebody actually didn't want her to solve this case, did they? No, no, absolutely. That's absolutely right. She's not sure about it. But but, but that scene, I always try and and use locations in Los Angeles for the Bertolino books. Because I like to write what I know. I live in Los Angeles. I live in Marina del Rey. Jack Bertolino. Mm. And so I try to use locations that I know, and I know the ride on the one, from the 101 to Malibu. And the best way to go is on Las Virginis Road. And it's this wonderful, rocky mountain on either side, and it's dangerous. And you, take, you get off the 101, and in 25 minutes, you're looking at the Pacific Ocean and Malibu. So... Uh, I, I used that for dramatic effect. Well, Franny, I'm, I'm told that it was successful. So that, I, that's I, how I, I got it because I, I was aware of the uh, the, the, the way the, the drive from L.A. to Malibu. It sounds beautiful. All I get to look at is the George Washington Bridge. And the golf course. That's it. That. So we we meet Jack Bertolino, and he meets ADA Leslie Zager. What's their relationship? And then I want to talk about Keith Milhouse. I'll tell you, okay. I really like that character. Right. Okay. Well, uh, Zager and uh, and Bertolino met in the devil's necktie. He was arrested right, I read for that. murder. He didn't, right. He he was arrested for murder. He didn't commit. And she mm-hmm. sprung and they became friends, and then they, they had an on-and-off love affair in the last five books. And it's two people, whether they're together they're, or they're not, they respect each other. There's a sexual tension that is undeniable. And uh, 
she's just a great character, you know. She, she's mm. just a powerhouse of a woman, and, uh, and I love writing for her. She's really, she's really good. Go ahead. No, she's really good because some female characters get on your nerves. Not not her. Yeah. Right, good. <laughs> That's good to hear. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, and you wanted to know about Keith Millhouse. Yeah, I know. I mean, Keith Millhouse, and why is Jack brought in to find out who killed his daughter? I mean, the man is loaded, I know that, and he can do anything. But there was something not arrogant about him. He really right. just wanted to find out who killed Gloria, and I said I could use him to find out some other stuff that I need to know. So how, okay. how did you create him? And he's really good. I liked him. Oh, terrific. Well, he's he's a politically connected lawyer and really, really political, and, and so the mayor got involved when yeah. uh, Milhouse approached him and said, look, uh, the police think that it was an accident. I don't believe that. He, he, knows the, the, he, he knows what his daughter had gone through in the few hours before she drove. Uh, I don't even want to say anymore because we're going to have to give a spoiler yeah. to her. But because of his relationship with the mayor and because the, the, he feels like the police are already giving it short shrift, the mayor, um, because of his relationship with Milhouse and, and with Gloria Milhouse and Jack's stellar uh, reputation, talks to pulls Jack into the case, basically. And, and he uses Leslie as the go-between. So it was a way of getting Leslie back together with Jack because they've been on the outs for, for months now. And it's the first time they've seen each other in, I don't know, six months, seven months. It's, it's amazing that they have basically. So we take a look. Uh huh. He he's really. I mean, this he's got guts. I'll tell you. You don't want to jack start with Jack Bertolino. Trust me, people. No. no, you don't. And there's too many people that I wish they were like him. So, who is Ted Anderson, and how does he play an important role? Uh, Ted Anderson was one of the last men to, to see um, uh, see Gloria alive. And mm. he's, he runs Project for the Innocent. And he was Gloria's teacher and mentor. And and that that's, that's what, what he did. So he was crushed when he found out that she died. And she had left him some information that he didn't follow up on. So he feels guilt. He, she was like his favorite students, even though he shouldn't have favorites. She was, like, really, really great at what she did, and she had an incredible future in front of her. And so he's absolutely um, demoralized and sad, and it, it destroys him for a while emotionally. You know what I wonder sometimes? It's fantastic that people, you know, that Ted wanted to go after who killed her. But if I was wonder wonder if she was just a normal person, somebody ran her off the road and it was not an accident, if they would look into it the same way. No. And sometimes it's it's who yeah, it's sometimes who you are. That's what bothers me. Yeah, yeah, well and, and that's a very true statement. Yeah. So who is Jeremy? And this is my other favorite person. 
the narcotics detective, Nick. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. okay. I love that well, Jeremy was, was Gloria's boyfriend. He shows up in one scene in the book. Yeah, and I remember. He was, he was, I just basically used him to, to show the other side of Gloria, to show a little bit of her personal life, just to give a hint of that. And, and Jack mm-hmm. doing the procedure and doing doing due diligence and going and going to where she lived to try to get a feel for who she was, and just just going to her apartment showed him that, that she was she was a powerhouse and she was absolutely dedicated to the exoneration of her client. Um, it, it was the first thing in her life that she ever did that, that she felt like she had a reason to be. You know, I don't know whether you found that out. I found it out as a young guy when I found out that I could act, and I became an actor for years. Um, and, and just that knowledge that there was something that I could do, that she could do, it, it gave me a reason, and it gave this character a reason to live. That, that's amazing. I don't know. I had... Um... When I, I started teaching when I was, I think, 12, but not even until I, had, I was really young. And there was one person that gave me the courage to say, you're not going to quit, you're going to get tough, and you're going to be able to do it. Right. And I was like, yeah, a hundred years later, he just came in to observe me, and he said, you have the skills of somebody teaching 30 years, not three weeks. So at that right. point, I knew I could I could get me in. It was good. Right, 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 <laughs> and, uh, yeah. That's so how does, how does Jack use guilt to get Nick on board, and who is Terry Brannigan, and what's his role at first? Hmm. Okay, okay. Uh, Nick Aprea is somebody I like that him. I like him too. I like him too, and, and, and it's always fun to have those two together, Jack and, and Nick. Mm. Um, and he he might use he, <laughs> what he might he might use guilt a bit, but. He uses facts, and they've been they've been on a lot of missions together. They met before Jack moved to, to Los Angeles, it, because Nick was an LAPD and Jack was New York PD, and they were doing a joint task force, drug task force, a big case. Jack was in LA, and so they met they met and they they did some work together. And so when Jack came to Los Angeles, he he, he used Nick. As a, as a, as a, uh, somebody who who knows the lay of the land, to help mm-hmm. them out, and and so uh, and they become fast, fast friends, and it's tempestuous at times, and but they always have each other's back. So uh, Jack, he, even when Jack doesn't agree, uh, Nick doesn't agree with Jack, he respects him too much to turn his back on an old friend, and. I just like writing them together. I just I just like the way they bounce off of each other and, and the energy they create. You know, so if I use them as much as I can, as and, and again, he's still part of the LAPD, and 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 Jack isn't. Jack's, it's, Jack's it's amazing because loyalty doesn't come that easily anymore. No, it doesn't. No, absolutely and, not. And in the police department, you begin to wonder. I mean, you watch all these programs on television, really, and it's just programs on television, not the truth. <laughs> I could tell you that. Yeah. So you, you, 
and you begin to wonder about it. So this yeah. is this is the crux of this story. Carl Forbes, I wasn't sure about him, but I really liked him. After okay. a while, you want you, have you want to hear about you want to hear about Brannigan before we go to Carl or we yeah, go to Carl? tell me about Brannigan. Yeah, I don't know okay. about him. <laughs> All right, well, he's he's the commanding officer of the Metro Division. Right, so he's a man with power. Um, he leads five SWAT teams, mm. and at this point in his career, he's on a short list to replace the police chief. And mm-hmm. as it turns out, he was one of the last men that Gloria interviewed before her death. Now, he was also, as they do research on what he's all about and where he's been, and because he's on the list of, you know, as Jack is starting to, to look into the case, he finds out that he was tied to the arrest and conviction of the man Gloria and Project of the Innocent were trying to exonerate. So mm-hmm. he becomes a person, he was a person of interest to Gloria, and he becomes a person of interest to Jack. Um, and he's a snake, you know, like some of those people are. It, you know, it's all about him, an ego bigger than God, been able to to just use violence to mm-hmm. win a case, to to win, just to, just to keep moving up the, the the chain of command until he got to this point, and he's got one he's one step away from being police chief. If he gets that power, there's no stopping him. That's what's really scary in real life, too. Exactly. Because I watch people on the news moving up that should be moving down. And people running for election that shouldn't be allowed to walk into a street without being in jail. What can I tell you? Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's scary. So tell us about Cruz and how come he hires him. Cruz, Cruz met Jack when Jack first moved into his loft in Marina Del Rey, and he was having trouble with his door, the lock on his door. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and somebody came and, and, and gave Jack, said it's going to cost $500 to fix the lock. And he made another call, and he got this guy Cruz on the phone. And Cruz says, no, just take a little baby powder, blow it in the, uh, the opening. And he did that. He put in the key, and the lock worked. And later on, so he knew this guy, and he, and he, he, he just loved the guy's attitude and his honesty because he could have made a lot of money. And they met on another case, and they started working together. And it, at the end of the devil's necktie, he, he helped him find out what a certain key meant and, and what it could mean and how he, Jack would have to go about finding it. And it turned out that the kid was, like, incredibly intelligent. And his father owned this, this business, and he was a locksmith business. And he, he just had a skill set that spoke to Jack mm. and spoke to cases Jack was on and had new information. And then he became he, – he, turns out he's a computer genius, and he can do anything and all the technical things that Jack doesn't have any, any, any joy with. And, and doesn't have a, it's not his skill set, bottom line. And so 
a loyal kid who was brought in, and he just kept proving himself, proving himself, and now he's just, you know, a solid member of Jack's team and, uh, and becoming one of his partners. And he's, an, he's another character that, that, that because he's in his early 20s, and mm. Jack's not, but he gets to needle Jack a little bit, you know? So I have a little bit of humor that plays between the two characters. And, I, again, it just keeps me alive. You know, the people around Jack and Jack as he's going through very difficult cases. Well, I got very excited yesterday because um, I had a bag of books I was going to give to somebody else, and my right. neighbor hijacked, hijacked me, literally, and she took uh, four. And when I told her I was interviewing you today, she said, don't you dare give it away. So she wants it. <laughs> oh, good, good. I give I give them away, but I haven't seen her in a while. So she wants she was and she wants Tess's book because Tess is going to be on next week. So she wants right. that one too. So I promise right. her I will hijack the book. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I'm known I'm known as the queen of books in the building. It's really not great. I, what can uh, I say? You know, at a so, certain point, I, I live in a loft. Jack Bertolino hmm. lives in a loft. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> It, it is. Uh, I mean, I I walk into the elevator, and some people say, what have you just read? I said, would you like the whole list? I'll put it out for you. And, right. yeah, they ask, they ask me for books. What can I tell you? So yeah, nah, who is Cheryl thing. Lee, and how is she connected to Carl? Um, okay. You want to know about Carl? No, it's Cheryl just, Lee, and how is I, she no, connected no, I, I know. to Carl? But Carl, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Cheryl Lee, the way the way that she was connected to Carl was she ends up the prime witness that puts him away for twenty five to life. Well, that's She's a terrible. single mom. She lived in mm-hmm. the same town as Carl, as the woman that Carl was accused of murdering. She testified in his court case that she saw him in the area at the time of the murder. And it was her statement that sentenced Carl to life imprisonment. Um, oh, Lord. I mean, and they also knew, I mean, Carl knew her, but it was just, just very brief, and they were never enemies. He, he mowed her lawn in the neighborhood mm-hmm. over the summer. At, he was 17 years old. And for some reason... And he could never figure it out. He turned state's evidence against him, and he lost 23 years of his life. Well, there had to be a reason. We're not going to tell anybody why. So then we have a few exactly. more characters. And right. well, Brannigan, I didn't like. He's got an attitude problem, poor thing. Yeah. And yeah. we have Joe Moran, Mark Corcoran, and Chip Boyd. Right, so what do they right. have to do with anything? Because there's a whole lot of characters right. in this book. There's, let me tell you something. There were a lot of characters in this book, and it was a lot I of know. work to get <laughs> together. <laughs> so that it all made sense as, as you read through it. But, you know, yep. it, it, that, was, that was part of the difficulty. Uh, Joe Moran is one of Brannigan's detectives, and he, and he ends up playing a big role later on in the book. Mm. Mark Parkerin is a city councilman 
who and Chip Boyd was a neighborhood kid back 23 years when the murder happened. So, mm. so, so Corcoran and Boyd were both questioned about the murder of Shelley Goldstein because they both lived in the same neighborhood and went to the same school all through elementary, junior high, high school. So that that's basically who they are. And it turned out that Brannigan was the the arresting officer, and he interviewed um, Corcoran and Boyd about the murders 23 years ago. So that mm. all these characters just trying to tie them together and keep little threads, and you don't know where the threads are going. Hopefully, and. Uh, it just makes for an interesting read. Now, something that was really, I sucked this in the middle somewhere, but it doesn't matter. Corcoran threw Gloria out of his office. Why? And how does he react to Jack when he meets him? Right. Okay. Well, it, he, he threw her out because she was questioning him. Mm. And she was bringing up... He took umbrage to her questioning him about a murder that occurred 23 years mm. ago. He's the guy. He's running for re-election, and he feels like he doesn't need to be tied to a 23-year-old case. And she's somebody, she's a pit bull. And once she starts asking questions, she wants to get answers that she believes. And she feels funny about him, that there's something about him that isn't ringing true. And so she keeps hammering him, and he basically stands up and shows her the door. And she's smart enough to know an exit line when she hears one, and she's out. That is scary. Now, this is another character that I didn't like at all. Yeah, yeah. And that's, can't like and that's Freddy. <laughs> right. That's Freddy. You know, I just finished um, The Last Horseman by Robert Masaroff, and right. I learned a lot about horse racing and fixing racing and drugging horses and the different type of races. Right. And this was like what happens when an account, when a cop is dirty. So Freddie Trio, and how does he come into play with the accounts used to pay off witnesses and take care of someone's accounts? Um. And there are people like that in the world, I imagine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he, he was he was a uh, he was a lawyer who lost his uh, uh, his license because he was dirty. Mm-hmm. He was a dirty lawyer, so he dealt with people that were on the outside of the law, and uh, he, well, how do how do I say this? How do I say? It? Um, he, he, once he started working as an accountant, because he couldn't get a job mm. as a lawyer, he had a reputation for being uh, free and easy with the rules of the law. Jack found out about Freddy Triola through Vincent Cardona when he visited him in prison. And, mm. and they traded favors. And Jack's favor was he wanted to know about who the, the attempt on his client's life prison, which we'll get to, and and in, in and he traded that for checking out Vincent Cardona's daughter, and we'll get to that. So they traded things, and he found out about about uh, uh, Freddie Triola 
after Triola tried to kill um, the um, uh, Jesus Christ, um, the prison, the clouds, mm-hmm. Carl. See, too many names for me, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that's how he got to Triola, you know, and uh, and Triola ended up a, a fun character too. A lot of bad guys, and he was he was somebody that, that it was for me it was fun spending some time with. Well, sometimes you like the bad character, but not in this case. Sorry, right? Not this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I, I guess I guess I you know you come in contact with a lot of people and a lot of attorneys remind me of Freddie. That's all I would say about uh, that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so who is Larry Durkin and who is Donnie Rice? Okay, Larry Durkin was the guy that was hired to kill Carl mm-hmm. in prison. Okay, that's so. That's who he is, and that's that's all he is. And he's really a, a disgusting human being. And Jack yeah. interviews, and uh, you know, but but that's that that's what he does. That's his raison d'être. And Donnie Rice is one of Brannigan's detectives on the SWAT team. And he, this, go on. he he ends up playing an important role later on. Now they it was must have been I know I often wonder, I've asked this of other authors and panels and stuff. You never know what right. you're gonna say. Um right. how do you decide who gets killed? And then I then there's a character that I felt bad for. That was Tommy. Right. And he really wanted to help. But how do you decide as an author who gets killed and, and who takes the person out? Right. Um, what, some people, when, when I worked on television, you had to write an outline. If you didn't write a, mm-hmm. a concise outline, you, did, you didn't get the job to write the script. Because they had to know, they, had, they start doing production during the process. Once, once a story is okayed and the outline is okayed and you're given the order, they know that that, and you're given an order number, they need to know to start looking for locations to deal with, with the production end of, of a series. And so when I started writing books, I, I realized that half of the people wrote by the seat of their pants pants without doing outlines and and about half did outlines and and just believed that that was the way to go and since i wrote for tv for so long and wrote so many outlines the joy of writing a book was that i didn't need to write to write from an outline Mm -hmm. so i would come up like this i came up with the idea of of um project for the innocent and a woman that was going to be in jeopardy because of that and and figured out a way to pull Jack into the story. Um, and once you get to a certain point in the script, the different characters tell you once everybody's on the game board, the characters start defining their own moves. And there are certain things that have to happen to move the story forward. And to have to move Jack forward because of what, what the characters are doing. So that, that's basically it. It, it. it changes, and it, it's nothing that 
it's part of the joy of writing. When, when you're surprised at something and you go, okay, and it may take you another three pages of, of, of work and, and of movement and of locations and of who gets killed. And if that happens, how many people, uh, it, 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 does that change their mm-hmm. movement moving forward with the story? I'm not sure if that was clear, but that's, that's how, how I write. And, well, I, you know. it's, it was really clear because well, I've been reading too many books, really. I think over the last 10 years I've read about a couple of thousand. And wow. I sat down and read this. How real. many do you read it? How many a, a week do you read? Well, this has become blame. My mother was very tough, and nothing I did was ever right. I had to right. read 10 books a week. Wow. Seriously. Yeah, I could still do that if I really want to. <laughs> I could do up to five or six. I read The Last Horseman yesterday, and I read, um, I interviewed Boyd and um, Elizabeth Morrison. I read their book in one day, too, and it's like 400-some-odd pages. I'm right. a speed reader. But I, do want, but I do remember everything I read. Yeah, I could read like 10 a week if I really wanted to. But then, then you then you get a book that is so boring that you don't want to read it. And when a book takes me, to be honest, it takes me more than two hours or, t- or one day, you're cooked. It's ah. like, I'm not, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> I know. And and, I, and, I, and you know something, I get criticized because I love reviewing books. I love interviewing people. And I think this is the greatest way to keep my mind active. Right. But someday I'll, I'll tell everybody who's, who's, who's to blame for my brilliance. <laughs> so, there you go. It's have, an amazing have, gift. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm, I'm telling you, and I, I used to read read the books and then take notes. I still do. I marked up your whole book, and it's got notes in it. And this yeah. way I know what to ask, and I know my book review will come out later if my sure. computer didn't make it disappear. I hope not. So right. this this got <laughs> me. This got me. How and why well, did you decide that the mayor, I was cracking up, give Corcoran and Brannigan awards? Okay. All right. They got first of all. Okay, first of all, Corcoran didn't get an award. He was just at the ceremony because he was a councilman. Okay, but Brannigan and Detective Joe Moran, they got plaques, right? I was like, why? (laughs) Because they were part of the SWAT team that was called to a hostage situation, and in that Mm. situation, the two men. Save a baby's life. Um, their swift action. They, they caught it on tape. There were reporters there. It got covered on the national television. And the two cops were called heroes. If there's anything that the mayor can do to, to gin up the police department mm-hmm. with all of the problems that they go through, they jump on it. And he jumped on it. And it kind of cemented the fact that Brannigan uh, had to become the police chief. It, it was like just, you know, the feather in his cap. It was just what he needed to cement that at this point in the book. And that's all I'm I'm trying about to... Yeah. Yeah, I just caused out a question because I said it would give away what happened to somebody, and that's not good. Yeah. So exactly. who is Judge Cole, and why did he cooperate? Well, okay. sort of. Yeah, yeah, he didn't cooperate at first. He didn't want anything to do with it. He had an attitude, 
um, uh, um, he was interviewed um, right at the at, at the very be- well they right at the very beginning, but Gloria interviewed him and he gave her short shrift and he basically pushed her out of the it was on the telephone and he hung up on her after giving her short shrift. He, he said the, the case was done properly, uh, all, all the I's were dotted and the T's crossed. You're wasting your time. Boom, and he hung up. And so uh, at the time, he was the district attorney for the murder case 23 years earlier, right? And mm-hmm. I, he was hungry. He was political. Um, he finally came through with some help uh, when the man who was the sitting judge during that case supported Jack's case, um, putting his own career on the line. So that's that's how he that's who he was. That's how he got pulled in. He got pulled in, kicking and screaming to the bitter end. Mm. But then there was a piece of him that was was good, and he did the right thing. And he decided, and he just decided to help. But that's I how was it surprised. Yeah. No. Well, Jack, Jack nailed him, kept nailing him, and kept coming up with evidence that, that was irrefutable. And so he had to admit that problems happened, and, you know, he backed the action. It's too bad people in real life don't do that. So here's four well, questions at one time. There's Ted okay. Wood. So what does Jack offer him, and how does he show he had integrity? And with... It's it's amazing because so many people that are liars and stuff and have any kind of embellishing the truth, you know, giving the truth. It's amazing. So what did Ted Wood do that that okay. made me that he that he wanted him? Jack Jack was like really moving forward with the case. It was all starting to come together, and the only thing that could come up and and throw a monkey wrench into his case is if a reporter, mm-hmm. Ted Ward, who was coming out with a story the next day, it put the story and, and alerted certain people that Jack had working in his case. If, if, if they were brought into the story, it would have blown Jack's case right out of the water. And it would have made it very difficult to, to prove Carl's innocence because the politics would have worked against him. Mm. So he basically says, look, if you hold off, let, let's have lunch. I think I have some things I could get you. And at lunch he said, listen, you'll get an exclusive. I will, I will give you entree to the mayor if you just hold back until I tell you that the time is right, and then you'll get the exclusive, you'll get movie rights, You'll get, you know, publishing rights, and, and he said yes. And so, how? Why did Jack end up trusting him? Was because the next day he looked at, at the uh, newspaper article that he wrote, that that, that, um, uh, um, that that he wrote, and he didn't he didn't talk about the things that, that Jack needed to keep in his hip pocket until he was ready, until it, the case was absolutely airtight. 
I'm impressed because in, in real life, I wonder if a reporter would actually keep quiet because they're always looking for that extra byline or to be the, the one that gets it first. And if you watch enough news programs like I do, you begin to wonder, every single media attention or description of a case or what happens is different. No no two tell the story the same way. So right. the fact that you created somebody with integrity is great. Now it comes to the character that I really liked. Professor Anderson. I love this okay. guy. Now he learns more about DNA and family links. So how does that help or not help in this in this particular case? All right. Again, he runs Project for the Innocent. Yeah. DNA is a huge part of creating a case that can maybe get the the um, conviction relitigated because of the changes in DNA. So they're always looking for DNA evidence. And Professor Anderson is at the top of that. I mean, he, he's had to study it, and he understands it, and he knows how to litigate it. Um, so, I mean, that's basically it. It's just part of his job, mm. and he's good at it. And, and he really wants to work and, and because he was devastated with Gloria's, de- with Gloria's death. Now we come to a hot topic here. What's you know that? how uh, Wendy, well, Wendy used to say hot topic was a hot topic. Victor right. Cardona, he puts Jack on the spot, and why does he agree? And I was like, the ending of the book, I go, what? There you go. Well, don't say anything about the ending of the book, please. No, we're not allowed to say that because I forgot what it is. But <laughs> good. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I had a memory um, slip here. Uh, so we have Victor Cardona. Why, did, why does he want... What does he want Jack to do? Or why does Jack say, okay, not right away? Okay. So this is, this is how they go back. In, in, in um, The Devil's Necktie, Jack's son, people try to destroy Jack by destroying his son. Mm. And, and so Jack needs information. And without asking for it, Somebody hears about it because Jack came from New York. New York, he lived in, in Staten Island, and Staten Island, he, he rubbed shoulders with mobs, with mobsters his entire, um, his, his entire life until he moved to Los Angeles. Um, in L.A., the, the, the mobs knew that Jack was a straight arrow, and so detente was reached, and he didn't, they didn't mess around with Jack's family or Jack. So in Los Angeles, the mobsters in in uh, New York heard about what happened to Jack's son, and they called up uh, Vincent Cardona, who's a mobster out here, and ran a big big um, uh, uh, restaurant in, um, uh, uh, in in not in Brentwood. Um, the hell is it? In, in, uh, uh, it'll, uh, in Beverly Hills. I, I, I made it after one. You know, a, a restaurant mm-hmm. in Beverly Hills that, that had the right look and the right feel for this. And so Cardona, in the, so 
So Cardona gave Jack information that led him to the person who tried to take down his son. In the second book, Blanc Cargo, Cardona's daughter goes missing, and he comes and he turns in his chip. Because the mobster, mm-hmm. if they give them something, they always get something. It's part of the mobster Bible. I'll give to get. And so he came to Jack and said, I need help with, with my daughter's gone. Hasn't, you know, and the, the cops weren't jumping on it because it was too soon, and Jack got on the case. In the process, he saved Cardona's daughter. At a certain point, the two of them have an affair after Leslie breaks up with Jack. The third book, you know, or the fourth book. I think this sounds I remember. And, right, and I, and I apologize for that. But basically, Jack went to try to find out who tried to kill Carl. And yeah. Cardona says, yes, but you have to go and you have to check on Angelica, who's running the restaurant for her father while he's in prison. And so that's how he gets pulled into that sub-story. It's actually a big wheel in the book, but you know what I'm saying? That, that's how he gets Yeah, I do. Well, I wonder what would have happened I'll, I'll if he told him no. Would have, that wouldn't have been too cool either. I'm sorry, what was that? I don't think that if he said no to Vincent Cardona, he might have had a bigger problem. So he's sort yeah. of like between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, yeah, that that could be. That could be. But, uh, you know, they both, they both move forward because of the give and the get. Well, I have a, mil- a couple more questions, but I don't know if we're going to get to all of them. But before I forget, next yeah. Wednesday, the one and only Tess Gerenson, Spy Coast. On the 21st, Eleanor Coons. On the 28th, believe it or not, I'm doing this, uh, an interview about the economy and digital banking, and that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> on the 4th, we're going to talk about Beth took a, a break and on the 10th, uh, award-winning author Marilyn Levinson, Overdue or Die. And there's a whole bunch more coming up in October. And I'm very excited that Philip Margolin is going to be doing one with me on November 8th. And that's just part of my show is booked till the end of February. So if anybody has a book coming out, now's the time to tell me. So one part that I found very interesting, and this has to do with, with Cruz, Explain the pitchless papers and why how did Carl react to them? How would they play an important part in maybe figuring out what happened? Okay. Um, the pitches papers. Yeah. They, they, they allow prisoners who are on the docket to get a new trial to see mm-hmm. arresting detectives' records regarding violence mm. that could affect their case because Carl's contention is that he was beaten into giving a confession. Um, So it's a legal document that requesting the court to allow the defense to inspect a law enforcement officer's file for evidence of police misconduct. And they keep them in lock and key, and you need to go jump through a lot of hoops to get that information. And it was information that that didn't solve the crime, but Mm. but Jack understood where he should lead the investigation. Mm. So now we have, who tries to kill Carl 
Oh, you know that was so rude. No, we did that. That that was that was the rat. Yeah, why is why and Brannigan? I don't like him at all. So no, he's not likable. We we have, we have Leslie. We can't forget Leslie. Leslie likes Jack, and at the end, um, yeah, he does something me. that's really nice without telling anybody. But why, why does she care about him? And she's part of. She's a DA, right? She's a DA because they've had an on again, off again relationship for about five years now. I mean, I, I'm not sure how you know how far from from the devil's necktie mm. to 25 for life. It's probably not five years, but but long enough. They've been. They've they've been in love. They never quite mm. fell out of love, but they fell out of a relationship because it got too dangerous for Leslie at one point. Then it fell out because she chose a political um, person that, who Jack was going after, and she, from Jack's point of view, she she backed the wrong horse. So it, it's mm. one of those relationships. But what keeps what binds them together is a. They both have saved each other's lives in different periods. They, the, the the sexual tension is ongoing, even if they don't follow through with it. And um, she's beautiful. You know, she's, she's a beautiful, strong, powerful woman. What's not to like about her, even if they can't have a relationship together, even if they get the push and pull of relationships. And, and you know, it's... The two of them together, that's, you're always looking for tension. You're always looking mm-hmm. for conflict with your writing, you know, with these characters. And, and it just, it, I just, I just got goosebumps thinking about the two of them together in this book because it takes them into new territory and, and it's, it's you, you, you root for one, you root for the other, and, and it's difficult because relationships are difficult. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody who's, you know, been in a marriage, been in a relationship, and it, mm-hmm. it, it's hard. So I, I like to see the two of them together. Well, what happens, this is almost the end of the whatever here. Um, yeah. This is really cool. How, what was Angelica's reaction when she saw Jack? And you know she's not going to stop till she gets what she wants. Um, Jack saved Angelica's life. She's a young young woman. Another here here's another another mm-hmm. very attractive, very intuitive, very intelligent, with enough power to stand up to, to the New York mafia mm-hmm. who come to Los Angeles to try to force her out of because her father, whose shop it was, the chop house, whose restaurant it was, he's in prison, and they're trying to take over, and she stands up to, to the, uh, the, the head of one of the five families of, of New York, and she stands up to him and stands up to somebody that was sent to, to strong-arm her and take over the business. I, I mean, and, and again, you know, looking for conflict, uh, it, it, I had no idea that that was going to be part of the book or part of the story until I got there. And then having this character, I just let her just fly and, and, and 
So always a strong place in her heart for Jack. And so when she sees him, they have a, this relationship that it's it just, they don't have to tell, they don't have to speak the words. There's a feeling and who knows what's going to happen. But Well, we can't tell anybody what's going to happen. But what I really like about her is that she doesn't back down and she's not afraid, whereas exactly. somebody else would have said, uh, let, let somebody else, let, let the guy buy the business and I'm not going to do it. So right. this is this is, this is is the one. Okay, here we go. The final arrests and takedowns, you created them so perfectly. And, of course, Mr. Brannigan and his army of cops. So why do we feel that no one would dare come up against him? And how did you create the arrests? But we won't tell who gets arrested because that's no fun. You have to read no. this book. This is outrageous. It's so good. Uh, you know, at that point, at that point in the book, it's just certain things had to happen in order to yeah. get to the end of the book. And so the, the, the characters start telling you where they should be, the emotion mm-hmm. they're feeling, the emotion because of all the events that happened leading up to the end of the book. And, and, and so it's the only place where I'd, I'd outline just, just to get things down on the paper because there were so many moving parts mm-hmm. just to make sure that I, I didn't leave anybody out and the reader would know where they were, how they got there, and, and on and on to, to the end. So it, it's, again, it's that joy of writing where you, you're not sure where it's going, and at the end of the day of writing, you go, wow, you know, that was fun. That was fun because it was organic. The characters, they, it, they, it, they all came to life and it all came together, and I was thankful because... Because I had an end to the book. Well, that, that, that's, that's, not, that's not easy because, to be very honest, like I said, um, there are some people who write books and the ending is like, you've got to be kidding me. I figured that out on the third page. No, really, right. I did. Yeah. It's, it's bad. Yeah. And this one yeah. was like, the ending <laughs> on the last page is like, oh, my God. So where do you see Jack next? And when am I getting it? No, seriously. Well, what I'm, what I'm doing next, is is I'm doing a prequel to the series. Oh, nice. Right, because because I a I thought it'd be interesting to go back into Jack's life and show how he built himself up as mm-hmm. a narcotics detective in New York City, his relationship and his marriage. By the time when we meet him in, on the uh, uh, the Devil's Necktie, he's already divorced. It's contentious. His relationship with his wife is in shambles. And just to see how that happened and what his life was like. And then especially Mia, who is a confidential informant that Mm -hmm. pulls him back onto the job in the devil's necktie because of an event I won't talk about. But people were really interested in her character. And she wasn't in a lot of the book. And so I thought it was a way of of showing her backstory, because I always found that confidential informants were, were like 60%, 70% of solving any crimes. You need somebody on the inside. You need somebody to talk. And she, was, she had uh, um, ice 
in her veins. And she was a great confidential informant, and so she has a major part in the prequel. And we learn about her story and her relationship with Jack. And that's, so I think that's going to be the next book that I have out. And, you know, I'm doing a lot of marketing on this book because that's what you have to do as a writer. And, and then I'll, uh, I'll finish that off. And you'll get it. You'll be one of the first people that I'll send it to. I, I hope so. You know, it's, you, you guys are great because you promote each other and you promote yourself. And right. I have a very good self-publisher, but she does nothing to promote the right. book. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, that's that's scary. Yeah. My my new book if it ever comes out. <laughs> and I finally wrote it. Uh most people get scared when they read what I write cuz it's called Mirror Image. If you've ever done something <laughs> bad to a person, you look in the mirror and the mirror looks back at you as the distorted face you're going to be if you don't correct what you did. But most people don't. So at the end of it, the person that did something awful it's going to happen to them, and they're going to wind up a face in the mirror, and you don't want to be one. Very interesting. So it is. It's different, and I get a lot of criticism, but you know what? Maybe someday I'll figure out a character like, you know, anybody, and I, and I never watch McCall did, so what can I say? Um, this has been fun. Where can everybody get all of your books? And I think I read um, three of them. This is the third okay. one I read. I don't know if I read the one in the middle. I read The Devil's Necktie, and I read the other one, too. And I know, like, this one This one really got me. I love it because it's more true to life. You know what? That's wonderful. You know, and, and the thing about this book is that all the books are standalone. Jack's the, the cement that, that, that pulls them all together. But they're all standalone books. And so people mm-hmm. have been reading and reviewing this. And one of the first things they say is, we were concerned that it's the fifth book in the series and there's no reason to be because of the way that the, the, the characters that, that run through the series of books, their backstory is feathered in in ways that, that you never get slowed down reading the book. You know who all the players are, what their history is, and what the new characters are, are all about. Uh, www. John Lansing, L A N S I N G dot com. Just John La- or just John Lansing can dot uh, com can get you there. But but that'll take you to, to the website. And the website has the five retailers where you can get the book, and you can check out the other books and see you know the history. Well, they should get all of them, so they can meet Jack from the beginning. And I, I, this was very good because you're doing a, a thing with Cheryl, right? So I'm going to post my review. Um, I was meant to do that at 6 o'clock this morning. I just didn't do it. I'm going to do it now. I'm going to post the review on Amazon, Goodreads, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, and everywhere. And Fabulous. That would be lovely. Yeah, I, I, I do that, yeah. That's very um, nice. I, I could, that's really appreciated. Well, this is this has been great. It's actually made my day. I needed to be cheered up, so this is great. And yeah. don't forget to listen to my interview. I will send you the link. I'll send Cheryl the link later, and she will give it to you. John, thank you very much. Um, enjoy the sun. It's beautiful okay. here. And All I don't right. think it's going to get much warmer. Have a great day, everybody, and bye. Bye-bye. Oh, shit.